You're listening to the 515 Podcast, led by Pastor John Wayne McMahon with Kingwood United Methodist Church in Kingwood, Texas. Thanks for downloading. Welcome to episode 73 of the 515 Podcast. Uh, Jason Priestmar here with John Wayne McMahon. Welcome back, sir. Woohoo! How are you doing this week? Um... That's okay. You don't. Have to, I know you didn't have time to prepare for this. And it's been two weeks. Yeah. Uh, how am I doing this week? It is. You know, I I shared this with the Vine team on Sunday. I've. It's. There's just been turbulence in my life. Yeah. So up and down. That's fair. But but that doesn't mean terrible. Just up and down. Yeah. Well, we all have that. Yeah. All, all good times. So um, we're in the. Jo- uh, what's yeah. his name? Uh, do, uh, I'm scratching my eye, which yeah. is horrible. I know uh, I look like an idiot. Um, that's distracting me. I'm sorry. It's okay. Thank you. Um, I'm gonna let you try to figure it out, though. Thank you. I got this. Yeah. This is episode 73. Yeah, that's right. We're continuing the Joseph sermon series. Yes, that's right. Um, he's a man in what book of the Bible? Wearing a coat of so many colors in Genesis. Yes, which is the first one. Yes. Man, I am doing so. We've been my... in this series for 78 weeks now. I so finally figured it out. This. Yeah. I'm so I'm so proud of myself. Yeah. Um, why don't you, if you would, please, give us? A, you don't have to recap the entire yeah, story. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's see, because we're making, we're really making progress, and I feel like we're really close to the end of this story. Yeah. And I've intentionally not read the book because I don't want to spoil anything. I, I want to learn it here from you first in my house. <laughs> Is that bad? Yeah. Yeah. You're supposed to like, um, you know be a proponent of reading scripture and so this is a book that you should read. I'm writing that down. <laughs> yeah. I'll have as, you. as a 515 host, you should be one. As a disciple, you know. As, you know what? Yeah. Once you said that, I immediately realized you're right. Yeah. I should. <laughs> That's my bad. So it's okay to read the book. Okay. All right. It's I all right. will not. Okay. You can read it ahead of time. No, you're no. actually, you remember in school, you're more prepared uh, if you read it before oh. lectures. Yeah. yeah. No, my school experience is not a good. Okay. Like, well, all right. Well, we'll find another way to illustrate that. Let's, I'm, here, let's just, let's just do it my way. Tell me what how the story's going along. Okay. <laughs> and where right. we're at this past week. All right. Uh, let, let me just sum things up real quick. Uh, if, you, if you're if you just tuning in, where have you been? Um, but <laughs> Joseph comes from a really messed up family. Um, he's sold into slavery by his brothers. He uh, goes into Egypt. He spends time in prison. He rises, he rises to the top. Then he gets thrown in prison. Then he rises to the top again. And now he's basically basically the most powerful man in the world yeah. i mean if you think about the person who's calling the shots for the most powerful man in the world the person who's calling the shots is kind of the most powerful man in the world absolutely and that's where joseph is and so um he's he's kind of gotten accustomed to the egyptian lifestyle and uh he's he's been um ruling and providing uh food helping them to prepare for a famine <clears throat> that god told him was going to come and then at the same time his family in Canaan. Uh, they realize they need food and they head to Egypt as much as they don't want to. The brothers, uh, this is a place they never wanted to go. Not that they probably aren't so concerned about running into Joseph because I imagine Egypt's a pretty big place and Mm -hmm. they probably assume that Joseph's dead. Uh, But 
that's a place where they have to walk into shame and they have to walk into a place where they know they did something terrible. They broke their dad's heart over uh, pretending like he died and yeah. selling him all of that. So they, they go in there. Joseph does not reveal his identity to them, even though they begin to interact. And there's this back and forth where I believe Joseph is helping the brothers come to a full, a place of full repentance where they might find full healing. Mm-hmm. Some scholars read this story or some readers of Genesis would say that he's kind of torturing them. He's kind of getting them back. Yeah. But that really doesn't testify to the content of what the formation of Joseph of trusting in the Lord and, and all of that throughout the story or how it ends. And so I think that, uh, that Joseph is this literary character that's being used to show us about uh, a journey in which healing and hope and all of this is possible when, when there's really messed up things going on. And for our context, when we come from messed up families or uh, we've been through really difficult times or we haven't heard from the Lord in a long time or things don't go our way or we're spending years in the desert or facing a famine, mm-hmm. this is this has got a story with all these themes of hope and and trust and God's faithfulness and all of those things. So that's kind of what what's going on in the story of Joseph. It, the the part we covered this past week was uh, the bro- the Joseph throws the brothers a party when they bring Benjamin, the youngest brother, back. Right. And uh, they the brothers can't really enjoy themselves at this party, even though it's this great feast. Um, and Joseph is very emotional, but he's still not revealed himself to them. Um, and so so we, we kind of played with this idea uh, that repentance isn't the center of the story right now. It's actually the lack of repentance, mm-hmm. uh, that, that they're not free from the message that's been hanging over their life the whole, the whole time until they come to a point of turning away, of confessing and turning away. And that's kind of what we're going to get next week. But we really wanted to focus on repentance this past week. Yeah. So. so repentance to me has always had like <clears throat> just like a really negative connotation which you know now after kind of hearing the sermon this past week i'm like man that sucks that i've always thought of as repent you sinners you know the guy like you talked about in college yeah standing on the corner with a bullhorn yelling at people calling them sinners and da da da. right and what you know how come uh, i guess why it does to to some people does repent repentance sound like such a negative word Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. what is it really what am i missing out well unfortunately I mean, yeah, you're right, and most of us have grown up in churches that are like that, and like I, I, I my, a lot of my family background came through certain churches or um, denominations mm-hmm. that this word had a, a different kind of connotation to it that's similar to what you're describing, and so yeah, one one pastor that I follow, she said it this way in a blog that I was reading uh, that unfortunately this has been yelled at us more than it's been taught. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. and that's really true. It's true. I mean, it's true, and so the word itself self carries a bad connotation mm-hmm. like you hear the word and you kind of go oh how many times have do you think people have been like just like as soon as they hear hear a believer say repent or repentance they did just put the shields up and like i'm yeah. done here I'm, yeah i'm not listening yeah to probably you know? probably all the time all yeah. the time and so i really think it, it comes down to a misunderstanding of 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 biblical like understanding of what repentance is mm-hmm. of of it not being taught and of Christians because they've been told it's something different or yelled at about it um, they actually don't understand it which is sad because they're not living into the freedom that comes from repentance and therefore they're not using it 
in a way yeah. uh, that's actually healthy for someone who who's first hearing the message. Mm-hmm. I like how you said the freedom that repentance it gives you that sense of freedom actually, and it, it did in this in the story you talked yeah. about that they were missing out on this freedom because they weren't repentant. Yeah. Um, well, how, here, here's what's here's that the, balance between. Yeah, the balance. Th- this is tough, and I was actually reflecting on this. Like I don't. I'm not going to take back anything I said in the sermon, uh, but let me just, let me narrow in on something. I was talking about how uh, repentance is not about shame, and that's where we've kind of done it, uh, landed on it. Repentance is actually about freedom, and that kind of makes our our heads perk up a little bit, and we Mm -hmm. go, wait a minute, really? Like, and how is, they feel like they're opposites, repentance and freedom uh, feel, and that's because we've associated it with shame for so long. And so let me, let me just wrestle with this uh, out loud and and see if, Jason, I'm going to let you try and piece together my own thoughts here. Um, But one of the things that I want to, I want to backtrack a little bit and say, maybe repentance has a little bit of shame in it. And and I think that we, in, in Christian understanding, have called that contrition, or like sorrow, mm-hmm. like um, in, in like Bible understandings, repentance in the Old Testament, there were places where in this word in the Old Testament was about tearing clothing and weeping over yeah. the brokenness that we had had. So so there's a sorrow of guilt. Now someone might say that's the same thing as shame, mm-hmm. but but what what I was trying to say is that repentance is not public shame. From other people, it's not about that. Or that's not the center of it. Does that does that make sense? The the whole what what repentance gears or tries to carry and and the end game definitely is about freedom, mm-hmm. not about making you feel like crap. However, it takes us to feel a little bit crappy. Yeah. In order for us to get to the point where we turn away from what is making us and holding us down and turn towards life itself. And so there is a part of this repentance journey that does carry some connotation of shame. I think because a lot of, I think a lot of people's guilt is self-inflicted. Yeah. It's not necessarily from others. I mean, other people can say things and make you feel guilty. Well, and remember, remember a couple weeks ago, I don't know if you remember this. It was kind of a one-off that threw in there, but, uh, Elliot who wrote this book that we've been looking at with, uh, Joseph, he talks about how when guilt goes public, that's when it's shame. Yeah. And so there's this, like when I'm guilty of something, that means that there, this is the right thing. And I did something else, Mm -hmm. right? Like Mm -hmm. I stepped out of that boundary now shame becomes when I have let down appearances or the culture around me okay. uh, feel or cast something upon me because I did that thing that was wrong. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So people can be wrong and not feel shame. Mm-hmm. Sure. Absolutely. And so when guilt goes public, according to Elliot, that's when shame comes to happen. And um, so maybe what repentance requires is a feeling of guilt, mm. an understanding that we fall short and we're wrong. But what I don't want you to do is I want I don't want you to be overcome by that guilt to which you start to beat yourself up in shame and you lose your self-worth. Because I'm not saying, Jason, just to use an example, I'm right. not saying that Jason is not worthy of love when you do something sinful. What I'm saying is what you did was wrong and for you to understand it so that you can find freedom by turning away from it. Mm -hmm. And the end game and the consequence of turning away is 
freedom and the whole the whole journey of repentance is primarily freedom not shame yeah. is it, you want to try and sift through that a little bit i mean we we touched on this last week with chris where we talked about grace and you even had a quote that like i actually wrote it down and i'm like i'm not forgetting this i'm going to bring this up on the podcast that a guilty conscience is always suspicious of grace uh-huh. so that makes me think about you know that forgiveness is oftentimes it's not deserved you know but it's given freely it's yeah. it's that grace to to be forgiven um but oh uh, uh, it's very easy for someone who's trying who's giving grace or excuse me for someone who's receiving grace to be suspicious of that and say what is your ulterior motive or you know or, or what yeah why are you doing this you know yeah so think about the uh, yeah i love that so think about the unrepentant heart and if you're listening to this we are literally working this out right now this is Absolutely. this is off script here <laughs> but think about the unrepentant heart that re- that hears the message of unconditional love by God towards you, mm-hmm. the the non-believer or the unrepentant heart or the person that has never received that before, they immediately go, "That's too good to be true." Yes, like that exactly. Mm-hmm. That's not really, or it's not rational. It does that doesn't make sense. And and like we our receptors, I said this the other day, our receptors are kind of broken. We don't know how to receive that, right? Sure, and and, yeah. and what I'm trying to press us into is if we can press down deeper into repentance, into taking ourselves out of the center of our universe and realizing that we've just kind of been pretending like it's all about us yeah. uh, and find a place of humility, then once we can press into humility, now we can receive that grace and that love in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, try that on. How does that... Wow. Is that, I mean, is that, is so, that resonating with you at all? It is. Um, so let me ask you this. How, how do I repent? Mm. Maybe all of the time when I felt put off by people yelling out, repent, you sinner. Yeah. That it, I put the walls up and I didn't want to hear that or yeah. I didn't want to give into the way it was being presented to me. So how should I look at the word repentance and, um, apply that well first of you if you've been if you've been hurt by someone that's that's spoken that way yeah um outside of relationship like that like some i think i think that christians have abused how we approach people and tell them to to repent Mm -hmm. because it's done not not in humility like listen quit pretending like you're john the baptist christians Mm -hmm. like yeah. You're not okay, and uh, like yeah, jo- uh, Jesus and and Peter and Paul and they're preaching. They're going to use this idea, but they're they're doing it in an apostleship way, in a way that's that's rooted in calling God's people back to God in a way that we just toss around in this kind of. So, anyways, for any of the, anybody that's asking that question <laughs> that you just asked. Um, I just want to apologize because I think you've probably been abused by yeah. a Christian using it the wrong way. So to your question, how do, how do I repent? I think if we look at the biblical understanding of repent, we can start to see what it's like. And so in, in the Hebrew, mostly the word talks about a turning away from 
what we're in the middle of and turning back to Yahweh God. Okay. So the Old Testament people, the Israelite people, where this word is being used all over the place, they are in a covenant relationship with the Lord. They're in a relationship, a life-giving relationship where God is going to take care of them and protect them and be be um, their king and their father. I mean, that that's the relationship that's built. And when it's used in the words of, of prophets, of, of Jeremiah, of Isaiah, when, it, when it's used in these places of the psalmist, it, it's used in a way of saying, return back to your relationship where there is life. Hmm. Leave where there is no life. Leave the destruction that you're in and come back to where we are. Think of the story of Hosea and Gomer. Where the story where his he he's called this this picture of God's love to Israel, and his wife continues to go off into prostitution. You know the story I'm talking about, and and he still God says, listen, I know that you're heartbroken, but I want you to go back and I want you to get her. Yeah. And he goes and he buys his wife mm-hmm. from the trading block, and he takes her back out of prostitution again, and he brings her back into into her life. And what what that message is is quit giving yourself over to the things that are taking life away from you like mm. prostitution yeah. and come be in relationship with me that's the idea of repent and the other uh, connotation that comes with repent that I've got to clarify one it's not just intellectual okay it's not just a if you'll believe in your head that what you did over there is wrong yeah then, then God gives you forgiveness. That's not it. You're not done right there. Right? Yeah, yeah. No, it, it's about a it's about a reformation of character. Okay. It's about a turning away from that. Now, here's the here's the rub. God's grace helps us in the reformation of character, but we've got to turn away from that thing that uh, we continue to run to. Mm-hmm. So, if you are an alcoholic and you continue to stay with the bottle mm-hmm. and you continue to go that way, you have to turn away from it in order for God's grace to help you. Uh, be formed up in this other way and we give ourselves over to these addictions that are not just alcohol but all kinds of things uh, in different ways Um, and the second part I want to say is that this word has a connotation of being on a journey it's not a one time thing it's being on a journey of repentance so a movement, this thing that's kind of ongoing. And so as I move away from, say, for, say like if you're listening to this and you're like, well, I'm not addicted to alcohol and mm-hmm. I'm not um, cheating on my spouse and um, I haven't been cheating on my taxes and, you know, like I go to church, I'm a regular attender. Um, but maybe uh, your biggest struggle is that you're the center of your own universe and you're the only one that you think about. Yeah. And so there's a sin of pride that God wants to repent, that wants you to find repentance so that you can be filled with grace and healed from that. Well, as I turn away from that, I got to turn away from it over and over mm-hmm. and over again as I go on a journey of healing. It's about consistently choosing humility so that God might fill me up. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? That's perfect sense. Okay. Yeah. So um, then let's kind of. I like how we've kind of got back on track. How Have we? Can, I think so. Okay. Um, let's talk about how can we create our own habits towards repentance then instead of, you know, that like you were just saying, turn our back on that, but t- repeatedly keep, keep turning our back on it. You know, keep looking for the, the light thing that will fill us instead. I mean, there's f- first, hopefully that we're in a place in, in your church experiences and I didn't even put this in the notes but I think this is important 
where there is a practice of confession and pardon. Um, I feel like we're about to plug the mortal life groups again. Well, we will eventually, but I mean, like, <laughs> okay. but but even in even in prayer okay. and the way that worship gotcha. services, the liturgy of communion carries with it mm-hmm. a confession and pardon kind of thing. So in the times when we share the communion liturgy, in the times where I've said something like, "Let's confess our sins before the Lord in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven." That's an opportunity for us to be in confession and receive forgiveness. And so we need to be practicing that in our churches like there needs to be some kind of layer of that so i just say that partially as a critique of our church not Mm -hmm. just kumc but i mean the church in general um because that needs to happen um the second thing is like well this probably i should have led with this matthew chapter 16 verse 25 for whosoever wants to save his life will lose it and whoever saves his life will lose their life that's about repentance yeah if you'll let go, if you'll lean into humility, if you'll say, this is, I'm trying to control all of these things. If I'll let that go and trust God, if I can get into the practice. Now, um, I, I've been walking with the Lord for 10 years, maybe 11 years now. I mean, really walking mm-hmm. in, in relationship with Christ and what it looked like to lose my life and, and gain it in Christ 10 years ago is, is way shallow compared to what it is <laughs> now because I've been growing in the yeah. depth and knowledge of the grace of the Lord. I've I've been learning more about how he interacts with me. Those kind of things. That's that's a practice that I go on this journey of what it means today to surrender my life, to bow the knee, to mm-hmm. to give to him, to go over to him. And so I think that's really important. Now, so confession to the Lord. So let, right, let me get, let me give practical steps because that pro- that's probably what you're asking. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you, in your quiet time, do you have any self-reflection on the places in which you have chosen to love other things over loving God and loving people? That's that's what I want to be in your self-discipline. Yeah. Like, is there any space in your quiet time to be in self-reflection mm-hmm. about the places where God can still yet transform you? And and I think as we as we wrestle with that, as we maybe it maybe it's in journaling, mm-hmm. maybe it's in saying it out loud. Um, we used to do this thing with students, like they'd write down a sin, and we it's on flash paper, and you burn right, it, like whatever right. you need to do sure. uh, to do that. Like I like be in the practice of that. Now I actually think that we find freedom in confessing and entering into accountability with other people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's the next step of accountability. Mortal life groups, of course, band groups. Um, I just, let me check, for, for all of you, if you've listened this long to all my rambling, uh, <laughs> God bless you, but let me challenge you really hard here. When's the last time you've truly confessed a sin to someone else? Yeah. To, and, to and another not person? just... No, not just uh, yelled at my wife this week, right? Or, or I got angry at the football game, or, or let me even go even further. Not just um, uh, I might have drank too much this past weekend. Mm-hmm. 
No, I'm talking about I'm talking about really being contrite over the place where I've been selfish and I just haven't chosen God mm-hmm. and, and and wrestling with those things, not those easy ones that are, you know, some of us bring when we enter into these groups accountability, we it's we really just want to if we'll share the top level and if we'll make them sound bad enough yeah. and look sad mm-hmm. enough about them, mm-hmm. then everyone will go, oh wow, thank you for sharing that. And when we really know deep below the surface, there's a place where we are completely depressed because we feel alone and isolated or we're struggling with this deep dark sin of addiction or I mean whatever it is you know Mm -hmm. what I mean instead of confessing a porn addiction we confess that uh, we've we've thought lustfully for someone else, yeah. and we've never entered into a place where we can share that in a in, in vulnerable relationships and find healing. That's necessary. That's good. And, and just as a reminder, because we're done here, we have to be. <laughs> yeah. Is that this isn't about shame? It's about freedom. Yeah. Because in the place of freedom, in the place of repentance, that's where we empty ourselves of what we've been holding on to and that leaves a void where God's grace can fill all the more Mm -hmm. in repentance something must die Mm. in the words of another pastor Carolyn Moore something must die something has to be laid down something is being crucified at the cross but if it's crucified on the cross then yes we shall be raised again with Jesus and so in the resurrection there's victory and grace and freedom over that which is crucified on the cross that's great okay let's end it let's end it there um, my what, head's spinning I don't know where we just went or how we got there but I'm pretty sure the Holy Spirit just kind of guided us through that I hope <laughs> it wasn't so. me it was something um, let's if we would give us just a little tease of next week I know we're drawing really near to the end of this Joseph guy. we're closing story. it this week baby should we start over and do the whole thing all over again no okay. we can go backwards we'll see what happens oh Tarantino no yeah <laughs> go ahead <laughs> that, that makes my head hurt this week we're gonna we're gonna I mean the, the end of the story okay. I, I would say it but you should read the I'm gonna story. read it yeah <laughs> I have a uh, no we're um, there's gonna the, the big reveal Joseph's gonna reveal himself to the brothers there's gonna be healing we're actually I think I'm still wrestling with this sermon because everything just got changed over the next few weeks and I I won't go into that. Yeah. But I think we're going to talk about sanctification. We talked about repentance. Ooh, I like that. And so in in the place of repentance and grace and healing, what does it look like for us to be on the road of sanctification in our journey? So if we don't talk about that, then I lied to you. But I think that's where we're at. Just if you just mention it once, it won't won't be a lie. Yeah. Okay, well, that was good. Um, I'm glad you're back with us again this week. Yeah. Um, it was good. I missed you. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Chris Harrison. Chris was great. We talked about, we've got, I think, I don't know if it was on the year or off, but we talked about some of his mission works. I know he's about to go to Haiti with yeah. a group. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with your wife. She's going. That's right. Yeah, your wife and, yeah, I'm glad you know that. And like one or two other people are yep. headed out to Port-au-Prince, They're, outside of Port-au-Prince. And uh, we're definitely going to be praying for mm-hmm. them and all the other folks they're going with and going to meet. Yeah, and meeting up with North Carolina people yep. and other churches we partner with, bringing clean water. Y'all probably talked about this, clean water to folks. So it's going to be awesome. Yeah, so we're going to get a recap afterward at some point Sweet. Uh, during this air, this, this air slot. Uh, so... Yeah, big thank you for everyone for listening. Yep, talk to you soon. Take care. Bye.